Hello, and thank you for joining me today for Give Him 15. What a week this has been. I started the week in Washington, D.C., praying for the Supreme Court. Was with my friends at Flashpoint in, last night in Minnesota, and will be with Chuck Pierce, my brother Tim Sheets, and other strong leaders in Ohio tonight and tomorrow morning, October 6th and 7th. The conference is full, but we are hoping tens of thousands of you watch us online tonight and in the morning. We feel, all of us, all three of us feel, this is a very strategic gathering for the nation. You can watch us live on YouTube. Go to Tim's YouTube channel, Oasis Church. Because I'm on the road today, I'm sharing a post from my friend, Greg Hood. It is a timely word about Elijah and the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, comparing it to where we are in America today. You may recall that Greg is the person who had the new wine dream I did five posts on several days ago. You will enjoy hearing. From Greg. Hello and welcome to Giving 15. My name is Greg Hood and it's my great honor to be able to sit in for my dear friend Dutch Sheets today. The title of our post today is Everything is Coming to Light, Welcome to the Fire. Sometimes it may be hard to see, but God is moving in our world today. <clears throat> he is establishing His kingdom on the earth and he needs our participation. Yet we can easily ignore, overlook, or even misunderstand all that God is doing. There's a difference between God working in our midst and God working through us. Quite frankly, we are called to partner with God, to speak His word, call forth His will, to declare deliverance and freedom in all the earth. But we can't do that as long as we're out of step with Him. We must be focused on Him and not the conditions around us. I want to repeat that for you today. We must be focused on Him and not the conditions around us. Now on the surface, everything could seem like it's falling apart. It could look like it's going to hell or even succumbing to sin. But on a deeper level... God is transforming our world. He's reclaiming it for His people. Now when we fail to discern what God is doing, we risk failing to do our part. Even if that part is standing fast, whether it's to pray, to prophesy, to decree, or just simply believe. How do we share what God is going to do? How can we know what our part is? Well, it starts in the core of our being. The place of, I like to call surrender, honor, and reverence before God. It starts at an altar, family. It starts at an altar. The meeting place of God and man. We read of a similar struggle in the life of the prophet Elijah from 1 Kings 18. This parallels where we are today in the United States and I believe around the world. 
we have in large part in times past forsaken the ways of the Lord and this has brought us to the place we find ourselves where deception and death reign through confusion, fear, and lawlessness. Thankfully, our God is a saving God. Amen. He always does things with a redemptive purpose in mind. God is not finished with America. Indeed, the trouble that we see on one level is a sign that He is working on another level. We might see the disrupted soil and question, what is God doing? All the while missing the plow and the seed of restoration being planted into this very fertile soil of this nation. No, God is not determined yet which nations will be goat nations and which nations will be sheep nations. Why? Because the world is changing. It's evolving. It's growing. Nations can be turned and saved in a day. Hallelujah. Understanding the message of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 18 is key to our ability to be postured to reshape America again. Now in this passage, the prophet Elisha, he meets with Ahab, the king of Israel. And he tells him that he is troubling the nation because he has forsaken the commandments and the direction of God. Now get this. This is a prophet confronting a government leader. I need to say that twice too. This is a prophet confronting a government leader. The trouble that Elijah refers to is evidenced by the crippling drought that has affected Israel and its economy for several years. Now Ahab has followed his wife Jezebel and turned to Baal worship. It's a form of demonic paganism. Most of Israel follows Ahab's example as Jezebel endeavors to slaughter all of the prophets of God. Elijah, at God's command, is ready for a showdown. Hallelujah. So he challenges Ahab to gather all of the people to Mount Carmel. Elijah is confident in the faithfulness of God. But from reading this passage, we also have to take note of the confidence of the prophets of Baal. They too go up to Mount Carmel fully expecting to prevail. Where does such a confidence come from? It comes from past experiences. God was not only uh, the only source of the supernatural in that day. As long as people aligned themselves with the powers of darkness, the powers of darkness were manifested. I want to say that one more time. As long as people aligned themselves with the powers of darkness, the powers of darkness manifested. Just as God is doing in America today, in this passage, God is letting things get to a breaking point for a reason, and that is to bring everything to light. This is the hour that we're living in today. We must say to the people of this nation and of the world, as Elijah said to Israel, come near to me. I have something to say. I have got something to show you. I've got something you need to see. Still, 
There are a lot of words in circulation today. There are all kinds of prophetic messages that, and teachings that are being thrown around the internet. Some are telling us to comply with the flow of society and the edicts of governmental authorities. Others are imploring us to separate and to just withdraw from the world system altogether. It seems that each side can somehow support their position with Scripture. Most of people today are just caught in the middle. They're confused and they're being pulled this way and that way, struggling to hear God in the unpleasant, prolonged noise that is around us. Now, like Elijah, we have to reach a place to where we hear what God is saying. His voice, not the voice of media or conspiracy theorists that are roaming the internet to get into your ear today, or even doomsday prophets that are telling you these are the signs of the time. Everything is coming to the end. This is it. Hang on. It's all over. No, no, not those voices. Elijah was confident that he had a word from God. Now, let's face it. The odds of 850 to 1 are not very good odds unless that one has the one true God on his side, right? Now, in 1 Kings 18, 30 and 31, it says to us, And he, Elijah, repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12 stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. Now, I want you to get this picture. Elijah has 850 frustrated, armed-to-the-teeth prophets of Baal, ready for him to fail so they can cut him into bits. And the first thing that he does is arrange some rocks? Really? I imagine the conversation could have gone something like this. Hey, God, save me and your nation Israel from these demon-filled liars. But first, let me get these rocks in the right place. Yeah, that's exactly what he did. Elijah was challenging the reigning forces of evil in his day. He was counting on God to respond to his preparation of the sacrifice. So after arranging the rocks into an altar, he pours water all over it, soaking the wood and the dirt and even the bull. Think about this. Why did he use all of that water? especially in the midst of a three-year drought. There are three reasons, I believe, for this. The first one is, it's clear that Elijah got the water from the people. Because in 1 Kings 18, we see Ahab sending people throughout the land to search for water and finding none. So this must have been the populace's personal stash. Now imagine the faith it takes for the people to make such a sacrifice of that precious commodity. This is about more than a showdown. It's about having a dog in the hunt, as we say in the South. The people are being asked to commit life-giving water to prove that God is the God of Israel. Now second, Elijah needed to clean the altar, these stones, both physically and more importantly, 
He needed to clean them spiritually. The water represented a spiritual cleansing. In Ephesians 5 verse 26 it says to us, so that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water of the word. And finally, the water demonstrates God's dominion over the demonic realm. God had stopped the rain in Israel and he would restore the rain if the people would give their all. They did and God did and the rest is history. Hallelujah. God heard Elijah's prayer. The fire fell. The sacrifice was consumed and the people were changed. As great as this miracle was, it is too easy to get focused on the spectacle of what God did and miss what it took for God to do it. If we're not careful, we can miss the true process at work as God performs miracles after miracles. Elijah's motive for following God was critical to the successful outcome that day. Just as our motives are for everything that we do. If we are seeking to do anything instead of expanding the kingdom of God and turning people's hearts to God, then we are missing the mark. Even if we're having great success and even if we're drawing people to us, exercising our gift or even seeing fire fall from heaven, if our motives are wrong, we're on a pathway to error. We cannot allow that to happen. No, we cannot. We have to keep our hearts consistently before the Father. Elijah knew that the stakes could have not been greater that day and the fate of God's nation hung in the balance just as America's does today. Evil reigned figuratively and literally for years in Israel as it has in our nation. It was time to right the wrong and yet the first thing that he did was rebuild the altar of God that had been torn apart through Baal worship. It is time to take up our part in rebuilding the broken altar of the Lord in America. The place where God meets man and the fire of God falls. God does not just reveal his presence or cause his fire to fall just anywhere. There has to be an altar, a surrender, a sacrifice, a place satisfactory to God to pour out his Holy Spirit into the earth. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for what you're doing in America. And we thank you for what you're even doing around the world, even though we don't understand some of what we're seeing. We know that it is necessary. We thank you that you have called us to partner with you in this great restoration process. We're asking you to give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, your ecclesia. Give us the boldness of Holy Spirit in order that we may stand and act in the face of great evil. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now our decree. We decree that we will stand. 
We will be God's voice to this nation of purpose as it goes through this cleansing process and it turns its heart back to Jesus Christ. We decree light of God come and expose the evil. Fire of God come and consume it. Rain of God come and restore us. We decree today America move into the salvation that God has provided for you through the kingship of Jesus Christ. Amen. Most of this post today was taken from my book, Rebuilding the Broken Altar, Awakening Out of Chaos. You can find more about my book and more about our ministry through our website, greghood.org. Or you can look for us on most all social media outlets like YouTube, Facebook, and now Truth Social. God bless you all and have a great day.